you're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to The South Stands, everyone. From San Francisco, I'm your host, Zach Moore. This afternoon, I'm very happy to be joined in the Mountain Time Zone by Paige and in the Eastern Time Zone by Matt, Tim, and Chad. Today is Sunday, October 13th, and as you all know, the Buckeyes did not play yesterday. They've been enjoying one of two off weeks they'll have during the 2019 season. But we thought we'd spend a little time looking back at the first half of the season and also looking forward to what should be a pretty challenging second half. There were also several games of interest around the country involving top 25 teams yesterday, We'll spend a little time talking about those results as well. So, fellas, yesterday I spent a little time going through some of our emails from the preseason to see how some of our predictions were holding up. And back in July and August, I had asked each of you to give me your top three players to watch or position groups to watch uh, going into the season, as well as a prediction on Ohio State's regular season record. I think not all of us chimed in on both, but I have a little bit of of both from, from each of you guys. So, Tim, I'm going to start with you. Um, you're pretty bullish on this team going into the season. You had them, you had them going 12 and 0. Um, and you mentioned the three players to watch your top three players to watch were JK Dobbins, Jeffrey Okuda, and Baron Browning. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about your preseason expectations relative to what you've seen so far? So I think they're pretty consistent with what I thought. Uh, you know, I think those three players have played well. Uh, I think Browning in particular, probably Browning and Dobbins, probably the most impressive of the two. Okuda's been good. Um, and, you know, obviously the other one is Fields, uh, who I didn't think would be as good as he's been. He's been, I think, better than everybody thought he would be. Uh, so, you know, I think so far this season, uh, I've been super impressed with the team uh, doing what they're supposed to do. Again, I keep coming back to the fact that they haven't really played anybody yet, mm-hmm. um, but they've done what they've done all they can do against the people that they've played with, and that's all you can ask them to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think similarly, and I know we're going to talk about this later. You could say the same for Penn State, but uh, uh, last night didn't look very good from either <laughs> side of Penn State or Iowa. Um, we'll get it. We'll get into that later. But uh, just looking at the players that Ohio State has. Uh, you know, the, the biggest, the, the, the biggest change that I see, and I know this is a, again, another topic for in a few minutes is I think the way that they're being coached is getting the most out of them. And, and I don't think that that was the case last year or even the year before, or even maybe even the year before that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been, uh, to, to me, I think that was the biggest unknown going into the season as well. How good is Ryan day? And I think we've got a, you know, partial answer, but so far the answer is beyond where we all thought it was going to be. Mm. You said you said something in in one of the preseason prediction threads that resonated with me. You felt that that a, a, a fresh infusion of energy with the new coaching staff, coupled with a pretty loaded roster left over from the Meyer regime, might be just what this this program needs. And I think I agree with that. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, Chad, you're you were also pretty bullish on the Buckeyes going into the season. You have them at twelve and zero as well. 
You said you thought Ryan, Ryan Day's put together one of the best staffs in college football. Uh, you felt the Ohio State defense would look nothing like it did in 2018. And you also felt Justin Fields would be adjusted and ready to go in time for the Nebraska game. And you were right on all of those things. Um, you also said something uh, that, that I thought was interesting, that you thought the night game at Northwestern would be more difficult than the Nebraska game. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that as well. But first, why don't you give me your view of Ohio State through six games versus your expectations going into the season? Well, I, I, you know, I, it's, it's so refreshing to see where this team is. Um, you know, like I said, the, our teams that we played, the, you know, have not been the best. But, you know, we go into Nebraska. That's a hostile place to play. You've got Fields, who's never played in, in an environment like that. Um, you know, it's, it's just been, I think the coaching staff, like I said, has made some just amazing adjustments um, when needed. And, uh, you know, I, I felt like Ryan Day was going to be the man all along. Um, and that's obvious in his continued uh, recruiting that he's bringing in right now. Um, the team just looks to be like hitting on all cylinders. And I can't wait to play Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel pretty good about, you know, when I said that about the uh, Northwestern game, you know, I thought it might be a little bit of a, like a trap, you know, or a little bit of a, something we'd fall into like on a Friday night game. Yeah. But uh, that has since kind of like, I think that's just going to be a blowout. So you're not as concerned about, um, about it now as you were at the start of the year. No, no, okay. no not at all. I, I really don't even think it will be a game. I mean, I think, you know, with the way things are going now to LSU, like, you know, jumping us and all that stuff, which the polls don't mean shit, but I think they will keep the gas down and he'll, he'll we'll win that game by four touchdowns. If we can talk later, but <laughs> all right. So I'm just impressed with the team all over, man. Like, you know, defensive wise, uh, offense, O line. So nice to see that O line playing yeah. well. And yeah. Some of those guys like we had mentioned, Baron Browning. So, yeah, well, I, I would say so far that the three things that you mentioned in your initial prediction way back in, in July, just that the, the D would be transformed, fields, fields would, would develop and be ready to go by that, that Nebraska game, which was the game that we identified as the first big game of the season. And, and, and so far, you may be right. Ryan Day has put together a very good staff. I don't know where, where most people would rank that staff relative to the rest of the country, but it's been pretty impressive. Paige, okay, so I think you had Ohio State dropping two games i think you had them at 10 and 2 but you had a caveat which was if the defense could return to top a top 20 unit then maybe you thought they could do better than 10 and 2 now 10 and 2 is still on the table right we're only six games in but uh yeah. what what do you see uh so far uh that that stands out to you uh, relative to your your expectations so before we get into that, Zach, I'm kind of curious. Um, how are you so confident that the the team is enjoying their bye week? Do you have some access now that uh, that that the rest of us aren't privy to? Uh, no, no. I, I that's just an assumption on my part. They were pretty beat up after that Michigan State game. I mean, there were three or four Ohio State players limping off the field. I, I'm just assuming that they enjoyed not playing. But yeah, get <laughs> yeah, getting healthy. That that makes sense. No, it's it it's not. Um, uh, yeah, I guess I would have to say I'm pretty surprised that they have looked as good um, as they have over the course of these six games. Um, it'll get tougher, you know, down the stretch. So, 
you know, let's not all start patting each other's on the backs on our predictions because we're only halfway there. But yeah. uh, that being said, um, yeah, I mean, I was wrong. And, you know, Tim and Chad were definitely uh, more spot on. And I think you were as well as far as, you know, what your expectations were of this team. Um, you know, there, there is hardly anything, I think, that you could pick to criticize them at at this point. The coaching, the players, uh, the scheme, uh, you name it, just, you know, getting up at the right times, um, you know, not, uh, letting off the gas, you know, when they've got a team down, um, you know, adjusting when they've gotten punched in the mouth. I mean, seriously, like what, what could you potentially criticize, uh, them for at this point? I think mm-hmm. they're, they are, yeah, I mean, they, they are exceeding expectations across the board. I know we're going to get into some, some more specifics, um, yeah, but at this point, it's, uh, it's, it's been really amazing to watch. You did say that you, you did have one big question about Ryan Day as a coach, uh, which was, and, and, and I think you described this as his biggest hurdle, which would be getting this team up for big games. And, and that's still kind of to be determined, right? Because their biggest games are in front of them. But that was certainly something Meyer was exceptional at. And, and I, think, yeah. I, I think that makes sense to, to question whether or not he can, he can you know, get them up for these really, really big games, you know, it remains to be seen. Yeah. And, and, and to the, to this point, he's passed the test, but there haven't been that many tests. And it's really a, a testament to urban who was just phenomenal, you know, as an underdog, uh, getting his teams up for the biggest games. Um, and, you know, and, 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 and that goes to how you actually coach those games, right. Mm-hmm. In day adjustments in your biggest games, you know, your rivalry games, you know, playoff games, you know, he wasn't perfect, obviously, in some of the playoff games, but um, he was just amazing in that regard. And, you know, Day hasn't had as many opportunities, uh, but so far it looks like the moment won't be too big for him, right? I mean, seem like it. I think, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, not to make any analogies to, you know, pro football and stuff like that, but being the head coach of a major program like this, um, you know, in the NFL, that, there are certain guys that it, it's just too overwhelming for them. And at this point, you know, I thought that was something that, you know, day we knew he'd bring in good players and, you know, so on and so forth, but how he would handle those gigantic moments in the biggest games is, you know, one thing I had questions on Makes and sense. we're going to see it here in these next six games, but um, you know, so far so good. Matt, I, I don't. I went through my inbox and I didn't see a prediction from you on Ohio State's regular season record. So I apologize if I missed it, and if you did give one. Um, but uh, you did mention some. I thought it was interesting when I had asked for the three uh, players to watch or position groups to watch going into the season. You actually opted to go the coach the coach route, and you had mentioned Al Washington number one because linebacker play is going to be crucial this year. It had been so bad the last two years. Halfley and Madison, the experiment uh, uh, of those two as co-defensive coordinators, as you've said, as you said in your email, uh, the co-word doesn't resonate uh, in OSU lore too loudly. And then Ryan Day, uh, obviously, it's his show. So uh, I thought that was very, uh, those are some good insights uh, on, on a, obviously a very important aspect of, of this season was the new coaching staff. Why don't you talk a little bit about how you see the season relative to your expectations? Well, you know, you know, to, to Paige's point, you know, you know, the coach day being overwhelmed, I'm sure that lasts for what they probably register them in nanoseconds because you just look out the door of his office and see a bunch of five stars and four stars walking <laughs> around. And I'm sure that kind of calms you down a little bit. 
Um, my my idea, like Timmy and I actually had a nice afternoon uh, meeting at Del Frisco's where we explored this topic, and he pushed me on, like, okay, what do you think? And I, my point to him was, look, I don't know anything about Justin Fields other than people like him a lot. I don't know anything about these the you know what's going to happen with the offensive line mm-hmm. but the new coach that you know it could it could it, it, you know it could work he could get him motivated i don't know how the the, the co de, uh, defensive coordinators is going to work and i was worried about i was like there's too many question marks for me to make a prediction and he's like if pushed what dip, what prediction would you say i'm like well if all things run well they should be undefeated so that was my all right. Official official prediction. You know, the only thing that I'm really concerned about with these guys, and it's not really a lot. It's like, yeah, it's it's about the test, but it's also about uh, next man up on the you know on the offense, especially if there's a quarterback issue. If he goes down for a series or two, I mean, geez, I we were all kind of nervous when um, um, uh, what's his name, JT went down, and Haskins came in, mm-hmm. saved the. JT went down again. Who, Cardell? So, do we have anything like that in case Fields goes down? And that's my biggest concern because mm-hmm. I don't feel I'm not very confident in that area. But you know, as as so, as as much as everything has kind of coalesced into something that beyond my expectations, how well they are doing, and to the other points that were made about you know not being tested, they haven't been, but they've been situationally they've been tested where they teams have been getting the yardage on them and they made the appropriate uh, adjustments, mm-hmm. uh, which I liked. Like the Michigan State game is probably the best example where they were going, uh, getting kind of t- game taken to them and they kind of had to respond to that aggressiveness. And I thought the offense and defense did well to kind of uh, respond to it. And that's the most, to me, the most encouraging thing. Yeah. And a lot of that comes back to coaching, which you identified, you know, before the season even started as a huge a huge factor. So, so kudos to you for that. My prediction was uh, eleven and one, uh, and and I was wrong. I, I thought well, certainly about one one game, which I thought Ohio State's only loss would be to Nebraska in Lincoln, and I thought Ohio State would get the revenge on Nebraska in the Big Ten title game. That was my my big prediction, which is already um, uh, has already uh, gone awry. Um, but I did think Ryan Day's first year would be much more like Earl Bruce's or Urban Meyer's first seasons at Ohio State than, say, Jim Tressel's or John Cooper's, where I felt the, the infrastructure was in place, there was enough talent there that if Day was able to push the right buttons, he could get this team back to the playoff. And, and that was ultimately my prediction, 11-1, Big Ten championship, and Ohio State would get back to the playoff. Now I'm thinking they... They might. They're gonna have to go undefeated. We'll talk about this later as we look at some other some other results around the country. Uh, the three players that I had identified to watch going into this year that I was going to be watching closely were obviously Justin Fields, and, and and I didn't see any reason that Fields couldn't be an All Big Ten quarterback as a first year starter like J T. Barrett and Dwayne Haskins were. Um, I felt he w- he had every bit the talent. He had every bit the the, the talent and the skill positions around him. And I thought he had an excellent quarterback-focused fo- coach in, in Ryan Day that could get him there. So I actually set his statistical floor at si- a 65% uh, completion percentage, 2,800 yards passing, 34 passing touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 
900 yards rushing and 11 rushing TDs. I got all those numbers from JT Barrett's first season in 2014 as OSU starting quarterback. I felt like Justin Fields could do at least that well, uh, statistically speaking. And so far, he's completing almost 70% of his passes, almost five percentage points better uh, than, than Barrett did hit that first season. He's at about 1,300 yards passing. I think he's actually going to add uh, a lot more passing yards his second half. Even though the competition's going to stiffen, he's going to play four quarters. He had a lot of these games where he only played three quarters here in the first half of the year. He's already at 18 passing touchdowns. He only has one pick. He's only at 283 rushing yards. I know he's got a ways to go, but honestly, I think, Matt, to your point, we don't want to use him that much as a runner because there's really no one behind him. And he has eight rushing TDs as well. So, um, Paige, you and I were talking about uh, Fields going into this season. And there was this sentiment, not just from you and me, but just kind of, you know, across the board, that Fields, uh, there's no way he could duplicate 50 touchdowns, which is what Dwayne Haskins was responsible for last year passing-wise. But I felt like Fields could account for as many. And I think he's well on his way to that. He's got 26 through, uh, through uh, six games. The second player I, I wanted to watch was Taraja Mitchell. I was totally wrong about him. He's been a complete non-factor. Um, I, I honestly think he's probably going to have to wait till Tough Borland graduates to get his opportunity because I'm not sure where there's going to be playing time for him, especially with, with uh, you know, Baron Browning playing as well as he has. Finally, uh, Damon Arnett was the third player that I was watching going into the season. I thought he'd be transformed this season under Halfley, and so far he's been as good as we've hoped he could be. Uh, he's, he had the 96-yard pick six against Indiana, force fumble against Michigan State. He's second on the team in, in pass breakups with Jeffrey Okuda. I think he made a great career move uh, coming back to Ohio State. I think his draft stock is going up every week. So good, good, uh, good for him on that. Um, any other comments uh, from you guys on preseason predictions before we move on to the next topic? No? Okay. Um, uh, there's one other question, I guess, I guess question that I want to get uh, answered from each of you. Um, Tim, can you, I, what I'd like is one important area where this Ohio State team through six games is different or improved from 2018. Tim, I'm going to kick it back to you. What is that one area in your view? Well, I think you could pick a lot of different things because I think there's a lot of areas of the team that are improved, but I'm going to try and go with something that's maybe not as obvious. I mean, it kind of is if you watch the games, but I'm really pleased with the O-line. And, you know, if I think back to last year, you had Michael Jordan playing center. He wasn't a center. Sometimes there were snap issues. Mm -hmm. he, he just wasn't great at that position. Uh, you had Isaiah Prince, who just had, I don't know, what did he have, two million uh, false start penalties last year? <laughs> at, 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 minimal. at critical times. I mean, it's not just that he had that many, but, like, they were at the worst times. And sometimes he had, like, two or three in a row. Um, the guy was awful. And, you know, that's not to mention blocking. I think that with Haskins as the quarterback, you know, there was this, idea that oh well we're so used to pass blocking we're not used to run blocking so we can't you know we, we can't run block because we're pass blocking all the time out there was some lame excuse as to why Dobbins couldn't get any holes and so when I kind of think about the protection that Fields has had the holes that Dobbins has had uh, part of the reason why I think the offense the big part of the reason why I think the offense looks as good as it does is because of those guys I think you've got a natural center in Myers 
Uh, and then you've got some really good guys. Davis is just a total stud. Bowen's a fifth-year senior, so he provides some senior leadership. And, you know, I think, you know, the offense all starts with the O-line. And for me, I think that's been one of the bright spots of this year because I think, you know, Stud was on, I think he was kind of on the line there. Is he going to stay, is he going to, is Day going to keep him or is he not? Mm-hmm. Um, I think he decided to keep him. It looks like it's been a great call. And, you know, they continue to do well in recruiting. And that offensive line, even with some new starters, is absolutely clicking. So to me, that's been, that's been the bright surprise. Nice. I couldn't agree with you more uh, on the offensive line. Chad, what do, you th- what do you see as the one important area where Ohio State uh, is different or improved from, from 2018? <laughs> Giving up big yardage plays. Oh, amen. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, how many times last year was it just ridiculous? Oh. Peeling off 25 to 30-yard runs and just, just and that stupid scheme we're running. But I'll keep it short and sweet. I agree with Tim on the O-line, too. And Josh Myers is, a, is an absolute beast. He's just a wrecking ball at center. <laughs> um, and what's nice is that, you know, next year you're going to have Miller coming in and probably going to be the starting center. Myers is going to move over the guard, but. Yeah, that's that's my uh, the big the defense is not giving up big plays. All right, Paige, so I'll keep it short and sweet. Sounds good, Paige. How about you? So it's it it, it it's got to be the defense, right? I mean, but we all knew that that was obvious. I, I was thinking about uh, on my ride today. I was like, you know, they could have just fired the entire defensive coaching staff and made me the defensive coordinator or any one of us the defensive coordinators and, and literally just sat there and done nothing, not moved, <laughs> not said a goddamn word, and just put players out on the field because at the end of the day, our players are better than every other team's players except for maybe two or three teams. And for them to be so bad last year was, was you know, there was no excuse for it. No. And, and so, so to say that this team, you know, should not have a top, 20 ranked defense across the board just with the amount of talent that they have is ludicrous. And, and so how that ever happened again last year, again, I think I said it on an earlier pod, like someone's going to do a documentary on that, but the most improved (laughs) part of this team is the defense. The offensive line has been great. I agree with Tim and Chad on that. I think that is paying huge, huge dividends, not only to, to Dobbins, but also for fields. I mean, let's just be honest when he's back there passing, he's got all day. I mean, in pass protection, um, they're, they're just amazing. And then, you know, they start to wear people down. So uh, they get honorable mention for me, but just having, you know, a defense that is, you know, right. What we should expect them to be and, and actually exceeding expectations is the area that has, you know, taken this team from, you know, maybe losing a game or two. We're really, you know, the expectations are playoff or, you know, an undefeated season. Yeah, I mean, well, that's what you said in the preseason, right? I mean, you said before the season started, you, you could see Ohio State losing two games, but the caveat was if the defense could return to being a top 20 unit nationally, and they've certainly done that. And, and so far, I, yeah, I agree with you. They've made a huge difference. Matt, how about you? Uh, you coached the defense page. What kind of ride was that, uh? Long ride. <laughs> it was a long two-hour ride, baby. Yeah, I think you were pulling. Yeah, but on I something. would just sit there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I agree with what everyone has said. I think uh, you know, 
Washington, Al Washington, and the linebacker play has been outstanding, especially, you know, how he's worked in uh, these the players that he has, like Werner. I mean, we were always we we're always dissing on uh, Tough Orland, but I think he's been used really well this year. There's only been a couple times where I really thought that he was probably putting it in a wrong in, on the wrong play, but he seems like he's you know he's playing well too. I just, I you know I I think for that level of using Browning, using Werner, but Malik Harrison, I mean, jeez, yeah. jeez. Mm. So I that to me has been the biggest improvement and i but i agree with what everyone else has said those those things i you know you can't really point to one thing and say just that uh you know we also haven't been doing giving up too many penalties either so yeah. and that was to, to tim's point earlier like that used to was being hamstrung by that every game was just you know not fun for the fan and not fun for the team so Matt, I just want to back up what you've said about the linebacker play this year. Uh, so far through six games, I'm looking at the, at the statistics right here. Uh, Malik Harrison, Baron Browning, Pete Warner, they're two, three, and four on the team in tackles. Uh, Malik Harrison has nine tackles for loss. That's more than he had all of last year. He had eight and a half tackles for loss last year in 2018. He's got nine already through six games. Uh, Baron Browning has five tackles for loss, uh, and, and Pete Warner has four. So yeah, you, you've you've starting to see an improvement. I mean, it's showing up in the stats, right? It's not just uh, anecdotal. They are better at linebacker. Uh, there's no question about it, and that's made a huge difference. For me, I guess I'm going to go. Mine is more of an intangible. I think that's that's difficult to quantify, admittedly, but I think it's toughness. And I know I've said it probably on every single one of these pods. I've made reference to the fact that Ryan Day preached toughness the entire off season. And I think we've seen it manifest itself in the way Ohio State has overwhelmed its opponents in the second quarter. They've shown the ability to take an early punch and then respond with haymakers and finish games before the half. You know, by, by comparison, in 2018, you know, middling teams like Indiana, Minnesota, Nebraska, all three of those teams came into the shoe and competed with Ohio State well into the fourth quarter. Ohio State said they just seemed that they it took them three, four quarters to, to respond to what they were seeing from those teams. And, of course, we all remember the Purdue game where Ohio State never answered the bell. And, and they let a 5-7 and seven Maryland team score 51 on them. I mean, the Terps really controlled no. that game for three and a half quarters. <laughs> so that's – and honestly, that's, that's quite that's, – that's a, that's a game Ohio State should have lost, that, the Maryland game. I almost think of that as a loss. Uh, so you're seeing a lot less of that, right? You're seeing Ohio State respond to those early punches – with big-time haymakers, and they're finishing these games by, by halftime. That's one difference. The other thing, late last year, you saw Ohio State with the tendency to let inferior opponents back into games. They might jump out to an early lead, but we saw that in the Big Ten title game with Northwestern. They had a 24-7 halftime lead in that game, and they let Northwestern back into that one. Same in the Rose Bowl. We took a 28-0 lead in the fourth quarter. We had to fall in a damn onside kick to, to eke that game out. So... I think toughness, mental toughness, I think Ryan Day identified that from last year's team and really harped on it. And I remember asking Doug Marie about this on his, uh, the text service that he has because he does answer texts. And I asked him about why is Ryan Day um, you know, harping so much on toughness. And I, I actually questioned Marie a little bit on his response. Marie kind of said, well, no, he's just a really nice guy and he wants these guys to respect him and la, la, la. 
And I'm like, no, that, that doesn't resonate with me. That doesn't ring true to me. I think Day, I don't think that's a concern at all with Day. I think he's, he has command of that team. He has the respect of those players. I think he saw a team, a, a team last year that had trouble sustaining effort and intensity for four quarters. It was a problem for him all year. And he identified that during the offseason. And so far through six games, it hasn't been an issue. So toughness for me is, is really the difference between this year and last. Um, does anybody else want what to mention? What do you think he's doing different, though? I mean, so that's yeah. an interesting, and I agree with you, but what is it that he's doing different? I mean, did he take away the, the croissants at the buffet <laughs> table to toughen well, these guys up? Or? I mean, nobody knows. You know. We're all guessing, right? Because not, nobody, not even the beat writers, yeah. have well, access to practices. But I'm just, I guess I'm just seeing the results. Well, uh, I think, you know, I think that just because when you saw his speech when he gave the game ball, uh, was it last week? To Marathi, yeah, that's right. He, he said, he said, like, we talk about toughness a lot. So I think it's just the thing of making that a primary issue when they talk about what their expectations are of the players. It's just like you, everyone here, I want you to see playing a tough brand of football. And mm-hmm. I think that how that permeates – through their criticisms or ways that they go about player development, I think that's one of the things that they're looking for. So it's something that makes it achievable. If you make it that, if you vocalize it, then it's something that everyone can understand without question that this is an importance to the coach and to the program. Yeah. I mean, you know, we always like to say in this podcast that we, you know, we, we're not trained media professionals. We don't have access to, to players or coaches. And so I, I am basically just guessing. But last week watching Michigan State kind of take it to Ohio State in the first quarter using a very familiar formula, you know, dragging Ohio State into the mud and trying to turn that game into a slog. And it's worked in the past, right? It, it, several times over the last six, seven years, that formula has worked. Um, but Ohio State, you, you saw the response in the second quarter, and they landed some big-time haymakers in that game and really broke, I, honestly, I, you, you could start to see Michigan State's players arguing with each other, getting ver- you know, visibly frustrated, and, and I really thought that speaks to toughness, but I don't know, what the hell do I know? Uh, maybe no, I just, maybe. I, so don't, don't get me wrong, Zach. I, I actually agree with you 100%. I think it would be an interesting question for someone to ask Day, say, hey, give me three specific examples of, you know, how you address this or things that you're doing, you know, in practice to, you know, increase the toughness for yeah. these guys. Because I do agree with you. I, I think we all see it. I'm just kind of curious what he did to yeah. try and – uh, you know, have it manifest itself on the field. Yeah, I would love, I lo- would love one of these guys to really, to really kind of press day on the whole toughness question, uh, and see what he says. All right, fellas. So, well, I, I also ahead. think part of that has, I also think part of that has to do with, you know, Sloaner's point of the coaching framework and then and the coaching superstructure. So you've got Meyer last year who's got a you know tumor in his head and. You know, has been kind of checked out for a couple years, and you've got Bill Davis, who's fucking awful, and you've got <laughs> Shiano, who you know wasn't doing a great job. I mean, these guys were terrible. Um, and you know, you've got you had uh, Alex Grinch back there, who was supposed to have Shiano's job, but Shiano didn't leave, and so then he got relegated to you know the backs job or whatever he had, and you you, you had a giant clusterfuck of coaching. Mm-hmm. And Day said it himself in the Purdue game at the end of the game, the players quit. He saw them quit. And to to him, I think when you when coaches have players backs, 
I think you can achieve toughness. I think they'll give you everything. I think that's what he's been able to do is go out there and get that out of these guys because we've seen him. I mean, Halfley and Day have both taken the blame for a bad play or a bad incident on the field away from the players. And they said, no, 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 that was my fault. And so these guys know the coaches have their backs and they're going to run through walls for them. And that's tough. That makes them tougher. And so I'm sure that there's some concepts that he wanted to get through in practice and things like that. But I think that toughness starts with like any of these guys can be tough. I mean, Baron Browning said it. He said he's the relationship with the coach and he didn't define the coach. It could have been Meyer, could have been Davis, could have been Chiano was severed. There was no relationship there. Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, like you're just not going to play. And so you're, 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 if you're going to play, you're going to play soft. And so I think a big part of the way he got toughness back was to say, I'm on your side. I got your back. We're in this together. I'm going to make you a better player. You go out there and show me what you can do. And I think that makes players want to play harder. And I think that's part of toughness. That's a good point, Tim. Yeah, that's a really good point. You were making reference to a, a piece that came out in Cleveland.com about Baron, about Baron Browning, where he had said in the piece that he felt there was someone within the program that had given up with given up on him, and he didn't identify who that person was. Just wanted to set the context there. Well, yep. all right. So, so that's so, Tim. I think this is a great segue into our next topic. So, there there is a perception of what's happening that's starting to gain momentum. The perception being that Ryan Day is an upgrade over Urban Meyer. And um, there was a good debate. And let me just set the stage here on this one. Uh, I was listening to the, the Cleveland.com podcast. And Doug, Doug Marie went on his kind of one of his signature rants about, um, you know, uh, one, one of the writers, one of their texters had written in and, and had basically proposed the idea that maybe Ryan Day is, is an upgrade or maybe he's, he's a better coach. And Le Marie went on a, a rant about, uh, he said something to the effect of, well, it's crazy how we now seem to be looking back on a, a coach in Urban Meyer who only lost nine games in seven seasons and saying to ourselves, man, I'm glad that guy's gone. Um, which I agree. If that's what some fans are thinking, only six games into the Ryan Day, Day era, that, it's, that that is pretty silly. I mean, in aggregate, what Meyer accomplished at Ohio State was very, very impressive. I mean, he went 83-9, and 7-0 against Michigan, three Big Ten titles, one national championship. We know about the other two titles that he won at Florida. Um, but something does seem to be different this year. Tim, you had started to get to it in your last comments. Um, and, and I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Um, is it just perception? Uh, are, are we seeing something different that's sustainable over time? What do you guys think? Paige, I want to kick it to you. What what do you think of this uh, notion that that maybe Ryan Day is is kind of just what the program needs right now? Well, so to start off, the, you were on this point, Zach, um, in the preseason, right? Because it, it really comes down to what are you comparing Ryan Day to? Are you comparing Ryan Day to uh, you know Urban Meyer in his first couple years at Florida and his first couple years at Ohio State versus his latter years at Florida and his latter years at Ohio State? There there was an obvious decline in Meyer, um, probably you know medically um, related. And so in this particular case, I think more than one thing can be true. Two things can be true at the same time. Mm -hmm. He is an upgrade. Um, over, you know, the last two years of Urban Meyer, 
that being said, he's a long fucking way yeah. from having the resume that Urban Meyer has. Let's just <laughs> pump the brakes on that right yeah. now. I mean, you know, he could lose two out of the next three and, you know, the sky falls. So let's just be, you know, let's, let's hold off on, you know, giving him the lifetime contract, you know, it's like how long before that chatter starts, right? <laughs> oh, Washington's going to come get him and we got to, you know, we got to lock him up. He's only making $3 million. It's like, hey, if he goes out and pulls it out and wins a national championship this year, that's a different story. But we are a long way from that. But back to your original point, he is an upgrade over, you know, 2018 and 17 Meyer. I don't think you can even remotely say that, though, when you're talking about the full resume of the Meyer as a whole. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Chad, what do you have to say about this? I know you've mentioned in previous podcasts that you, you, you've – you really like what you're seeing from Ryan Day. Uh, what do you think? Well, I'll take him over Urban any day. Wow. I mean, I can wow. have Urban back. I, you know, there's a whole, this team's playing with a whole chip on their shoulder. Wow. I'm not kidding. I mean, I love Urban, but I'll take Day anytime. Wow. He's got some kids playing. Like, you know, you listen to him talk in his press conferences. And it's just a whole different level, man. He's got these kids playing with a chip on their shoulder. He's, you know, got, like I said, I've said many times, arguably top two or three, if not best college football staff in the country. And, I mean, I just like he's, he's his offense. You, you, don't, you don't know what he's going to do. He's spread it out. You know, he's put the fastest players on the field on defense. And, you know, Urban just didn't do that shit. And, it, you know, it's just uh, – it's, it's really not a, a, a long topic for me to discuss. I'll take that wow. the time. It's a bold it's, statement. I, I, I got to jump in there. That's, that's asinine, dude. He's, well, whatever, he's coached babe, nine games. about right now, here and today. He's a fucking better coach than fucking Urban, and he's going to fucking <laughs> take this team to higher places <laughs> – than Urban did. That's a fact. That, wow. That, that is not People a fact. That, number one, that, that is not a fact. And that's all I'm going to say So, So you're speculating on what could happen. Let's, let's stick yeah. to what has yeah, happened. Okay? You know, like, I could win the Powerball tonight, but it's unlikely. So let's just stick <laughs> to the facts. And for you to say that, that he very well may take the program to the next level. I, but, I said I'll take him over Urban. So just... You pump the brakes on coming at me about that. I said I'll take him over hey. Urban. That's it. <laughs> Matt, well, what, then what, fine. You... <laughs> I, I'm interested to get Matt's take on this. Matt, what what what, what do you think? Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that was fun. So uh, I think that there's no question that the Urban Meyer that we had the last two seasons is in vintage, or uh, the Urban Meyer that it's where you attached to the name. So. Where a day has taken the program, I mean, the Purdue game last year, come on. Mm. You know, a prime Urban Meyer would never let that game happen. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, we needed an upgrade, and I can't think of – we needed something different. I don't even know an upgrade. We needed something different. We need some, we need some fresh, young, uh, enthusiastic but smart, experienced people to come in here and take over the program, get the position coaching right, and get the – uh, culture right and that you know you sometimes have to bring that in for new breaths of fresh air in here that being said 
I mean, we're still on the honeymoon with the guy. I mean, shit, man, we haven't even done 69s with each other yet. You got to get, you got to get, you got to get, you got to get a little trophy, a little hardware in our hand yet before anything's going on. We're dead. We, we haven't even won the conference championship yet. So potentially, yeah, but I, you know, I, I just think that what we needed, we got, and we're lucky to get it because I can't, you know, Actually, Tim and I had this conversation on the offseason. I was like, I hope they give it to Day because he did well in the mid in the in the um, the interim in the games that he subbed in yeah. interim. And T- Tim was like, Well, I think we need someone bigger name. And he's like, But I'd like Day. So it's like you know we could have gotten that wrong too and got someone that you know I don't know someone who was a bigger name to come in there, similar to like what Michigan usually does. Uh, so, but no, I mean I I think that you can't if you if you put the records next to each other, you take a prime urban. Yeah, you take a prime urban over day because day's got an incomplete kind of portfolio right now. Mm-hmm. Tim, what do you think? Settle it. So Tim, settle it. So uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of in Page's camp. I I think that you had two you had two schools of Urban Meyer. You had 12, 13, and 14, and that Urban Meyer you take against any other coach, including Nick Saban. Yep. You know, in, in recent history, I think 15, 16, 17, 18, you know, uh, I just kind of go back to it. 15 was a disaster, yeah. right? It was the JT Barrett, Cardale Jones, dual quarterback. We had the best team in the country and Meyer didn't just didn't get it done from a coaching standpoint of figuring that out. And then we lose to Michigan state on a, on a last second field goal at home. And so, I just really think that what went on with him physically affected him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so I, I think I'm ha- very happy with day to day. Um, and it remains to be seen what he becomes. We just don't know. Uh, so, so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of playing the fence a little bit between Paige and Chad. But, but here's an interesting thing to think about. When you look around college football, kind of look at programs like Oklahoma who went through just same thing Ohio State did. Legend leaves, young guy comes in, uh, and he's done really well. Uh, look at Dabo Sweeney, young guy, kind of built Clemson up, has done really well. Saban is kind of the old guard, but he probably doesn't have that much time left. I mean, I think the guy's in the late 60s. Yeah. So what I will say is I will say that for today's player, I think Ryan Day appeals more to them than I think Urban Meyer may have, other than on the recruiting trail. I think Urban Meyer was the big name, and I got, well, I want to go play for Nick Saban or Urban Meyer or Bear Bryant or one of those types of players. If you're a player like that, you can get starstruck by wanting to play for one of these really big-name coaches. But I actually think in the day-in and day-out coaching, I think Lincoln Riley, Dabo Sweeney, and Ryan Day – appeal more to the player of today than say an urban Meyer did who was just a fucking taskmaster. And, you know, frankly, towards the end had his little pets, right? JT Barrett was his pet. There is no fucking way JT Barrett should have played football in 2017. (laughs) No way. That should have been Dwayne Haskins all year long, but because he was his pet, he played. Mm-hmm. You know, Ezekiel Elliott was a pet. John Simon was a pet. I'm Zach not saying these Smith. guys aren't good. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying that, like, Meyer had his guys who were going to play no matter what because he liked them, and that wasn't always good for the team. All right. I like that. Those are strong takes. Love it. So, you know, 
I don't think the criticism of Urban Meyer in his latter years is unfair. I don't. And I can see where Le Marie is coming from and those that would say, listen, in aggregate, what Urban Meyer did, he's a Hall of Fame coach. I believe he finishes with the highest winning percentage of any Ohio State coach. I agree. Amazing uh, numbers, amazing feats. It'll be very difficult for anyone to duplicate. But he was clearly not the same coach in his latter years that he was his first three seasons at Ohio State. He was 35-1 and in the regular season his first three seasons at Ohio State. But Tim, Page, as you guys have illustrated, there were missteps uh, throughout the last few years of his, of, of his uh, tenure at Ohio State. And I don't think the criticism is unfair. Listen, uh, Mike Valenti likes to say this about Michigan, and the same thing applies to Ohio State. You have nine to ten wins built into your schedule every single year. There are only two, maybe three games every season where the outcome isn't certain. Okay, Ohio State was not paying Meyer $7.5 million a year to beat Indiana and Minnesota. He wasn't making $7.5 million to, to, to lose the, one on, the only the one game he couldn't afford to lose and just miss the playoffs, which happened in 2015, 2017, and 2018. Two of the losses over that stretch were historic stink bombs that were utter embarrassment for the program. Okay, now listen, that happened to John Cooper three different times in the mid to late 90s, 95, 96, and 98. He lost games in those seasons that he couldn't afford to lose, and we freaking hated him for it. So the, the, the standard is what it is. It's, it's, un, it's ridiculously high. I get that. But he wasn't meeting the standard. I'm sorry. And I, I think he deserves the, the criticism is warranted. Um, that said... Let's give Ryan Day more than six games to build up his resume before we start comparing him to, to, to Urban Meyer, who, who obviously accomplished a lot at Ohio State. And if he decides to take that job at USC, uh, he's going to be really good there. Um, I mean, he could win another title there. We'll see about that. And Just he, one clarification, Zach. Cooper lost his one game to fucking Michigan every year. That's true. That is beyond fucking unacceptable. <laughs> that is. That is. Right. And Michigan Harbaugh. State. That is. That is. Uh, you're right. But, uh, you know, losing by 30 at a 6-6 six and six Purdue or losing by 30 at a 6-6 at a six and six Iowa, whatever they finished, that, that wasn't pretty either. I guess the point I was trying to make is just that, you know, Meyer had a succession of seasons where he lost the one game either uh, – in the case of Michigan State, you lose to an interdivisional rival. You can't afford to lose that game that late in the season. You can't, can't make it back up. Or you lose to Iowa. It's a, your second loss of the season. You absolutely positively can't afford to have it, and yet you lose it. Or you lose to Purdue in such embarrassing fashion, it takes any playoff consideration off the table. Uh, that just I'm sorry. By his own admission, Urban Meyer would say that's not the standard for him. And I think the criticism is fair but, hey, if you want to give me Urban Meyer of 2012-2014 back, I'll take him every day of the week and twice on Sunday, for sure. Um, are, are there any other uh, comments on that before we move on? Hey, and I just want to set the record straight. I love Urban, okay? I'm just talking about and I think Tim hit it kind of like right on the head. Today's player, I'll take Ryan Day. Mm-hmm. And Urban will not coach at USC. He's not taking another job. I hope if he not. took any job, he'd take the Notre Dame game or job if that came up. I don't, I don't know, think man. he's going to USC. There's a lot of chatter around USC. A lot of chatter. I, I just I, I keep yeah. hearing it from every corner and what now he's in the studio with Leinert and Reggie Bush for what another two months. I'm, no doubt those guys are working on him. He spent a lot of time in LA. I, I hope you're right, Plummer, but um I mean you could see him walking I mean, it's in the state of California, talent rich 
in terms of prep high school talent. I mean, didn't the power just didn't the power just go out there for like fucking two days? Oh, <laughs> no, that's a good point. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Good point. Well, that's a conversation well, for another day. Hey, Sorry, go ahead. So, so actually, it, Zach, it's a good way to to sort of in, to, to answer the question, and it would be this: at this point, knowing what we all know, um, would any of us really care if he took that job? And I think the answer is no. Now, yeah. all summer, right? Everyone would have been freaking out, like if he takes another fucking job and you know at, at this point i think most of high state fans would be like fine if that's what you want to do go for it because they're yeah. so yeah, comfortable with I day yeah yeah exactly yeah. Them, buddy. i mean certainly for the 2019 season if we're talking if we're just going to stay in the moment stay in the present right now i think for the 2019 season ryan day was the right choice and we'll see what happens you know the second half of the season and beyond this year but tim you you identified this you mentioned this during the preseason, you thought the combination of a fresh infusion of coaching energy, uh, ambition, attention to detail, coupled with the stockpile of talent left over from the Maya regime could be a, a, a winning combination. And, and I think so far, I, I agree with you. I agreed with you then, and I think so far we're seeing that played out uh, through six games. Yep, I think that's exactly right. And yeah. just one back thing, one one quick thing on Meyer. I will say this: if Meyer goes to USC anytime soon, certainly if he goes to USC next year, yeah, like I'll be fine with it. Go do whatever you want to do. But for me, what it will change is the narrative of 2018, which is he had to retire because of his physical issues and because he couldn't take the stress of coaching. He was falling down on the sidelines and like all this fucking bullshit if he goes and coaches again this soon then it was to me it means nothing about that because that's still there it's not like that's gone away they can't do anything about right. it right that, that medical issue isn't getting better right and it just means that this was all about the zach smith issue which i don't want to get into that but <laughs> to me to me if he goes and coaches again this soon across the country and moves his family out of Columbus where he's got his daughters are there and grandchildren and all that to go coach fucking USC. Then to me, it tells a different story about what went on last year. Interesting. And, 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 and let's uh, remind the listeners, Timmy, that uh, we've got a five-year bet on this and you were on record <laughs> that he will not do that. And I am on record yes. that he will do that. <laughs> I want to look ahead to the second half of this season. And I've got a few questions I want to put to each of you. The first question, uh, Chad, I'm going to start with you. Which one position group do you think will continue to excel as the schedule gets tougher? And just try to keep it to one um, so you don't steal anybody else's thunder. Go ahead. Right. Uh, I'm going to say it's going to be the uh, defensive unit. Okay. So, I think they're going to just get better and better as, as the time goes on. I think they're playing with chip chip on their shoulder. They know that they haven't looked like the defense of the past is still with bullets, and I think that uh, that that's going to be a, a bright spot for us moving forward. Okay, so within the defense, give me the one unit you think is going to continue to Jeez, excel. Chad, we have to ask twice. Not that hard Linebackers. <laughs> You like the linebackers. Hey, man, what are you on my fucking ass for there, PBH? <laughs> <laughs> All right, you like the linebackers. Kidding, buddy. <laughs> linebackers. Okay, I'll, I'll see the linebackers. All right, the linebackers. 
Okay, Tim? Yeah. What do you think going into the second half of the season? Who who can we hang our hat on? What position group? You know, pretty obvious, but but they've been dominant. I think they're going to continue to be dominant. But the defensive line, you know, Chase Young has been out of a lot of games because they've just been over so quickly, and he hasn't he hasn't really gotten to show himself yet in a full sort of four quarter game against a really good offensive line. So I think against Wisconsin and Penn State and you know, some of the other team Maryland that they have to play, I just think he's that, that position group is just going to continue to dominate. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. Matt, what do you think? Offensive line, protect the quarterback, make the holes. All right. Okay. Paige? Secondary. I think those guys, I, I'm, I'm hopeful they'll get tested a little bit more as the competition uh, gets a little uh, tougher here as we go down uh, these next few games. So I'm looking for the secondary just to continue to dominate mm-hmm. i'm with tim i think it's the defensive line and i think it's chase young I, I think i believe in larry johnson i believe in the players they've recruited you've got known commodities starting with chase young guys have been a lot of big games have played well uh certainly through the first six games and, and i think they'll continue to play well as the competition stiffens all right good um what remaining game is the biggest concern for you let's keep it to one what one remaining game is the biggest concern for you guys, Chad? Say Penn State. Penn State. Okay, why? Yeah, well, I just feel like they have a more explosive offense than, uh, even though it didn't show yesterday, mm-hmm. obviously, but I think they've got, like, Wisconsin's got a, a hell of a defense, but, you know, they're, they're, I feel they're pretty one-dimensional on offense. Um Penn State's got a couple pieces that I think that, that'll give us a test. So that's I said so Penn State. Yeah. Yeah. I like their defensive front too. Defensively, that front seven looks pretty gnarly. Like it looks closer to the kind of front sevens Joe Paterno had uh, back in the day. Tim, what game concerns you the well, most? There's only two, right? There's Wisconsin and Penn State. So it's it's I think of those two, I probably they're both at home, which is great. I probably pick Wisconsin. Uh, I just was, I haven't watched Penn State, but I was not impressed last night. I totally agree with your comment about their front seven on defense. They've got Micah Parsons and some other real players up there. I think our offense will handle them. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't know. They're, they're, their offense looks pretty pedestrian, Penn State. So I think of Wisconsin as a bit of a more complete football team. Uh, I frankly think they're better coached. I think Paul Chris is a better coach than James Franklin. I think he's a blowhard. Um, and so, uh, I, you know, I, those are the only games that should give anyone any concerns. It's got to be one of those two. And I think Wisconsin will be a little tougher. Matt, before I kick it over to you, let me just, I'm just going to go through the schedule here, uh, the, the remaining six games. We're at Northwestern this Friday night. That game's on FS1, by the way. Uh, then home against Wisconsin the following week. We get a bye the next week. Maryland at home at Rutgers. Then on November the 23rd, Penn State at home. Then we go to Ann Arbor on the 30th of November to wrap up the regular season. Matt, which of those games worries you the most? Uh, I would say the Wisconsin game for sure. I think that they got enough talent and it, like what Tim alluded to, the coach is really strong. So okay. uh, that's the one that that's the one I'm thinking is going to be the, the biggest test page. It Michigan. Cause it's, let's just be clear. It's always Michigan. But the reason why 
because we have Penn State the week before. Damn it, you stole which mine. Is, <laughs> it's just maddening, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, that just shouldn't happen. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it'll be on the road. It's the rivalry game and the way the schedule's set up. I think, I think that'll be Ryan Day's biggest test is being able to get that team up twice in a row. Uh, against, you know, the two best teams on our schedule. I mean, Wisconsin, yeah, but Penn State and Michigan are the Blue Bloods. They're, we're at a different level than Wisconsin, and I think it's the way the schedule's set up, it's going to be the Michigan game. You stole my thunder there, buddy. I, uh, I agree with you. I, I think it's Michigan because of where it falls on the schedule. And the, the idea, the, the, the possibility that Michigan would be getting a diminished slightly even if it's a slightly diminished Ohio State team after Penn State you look at the way Penn State's played out the last three years it was a one-point game each of the last two years and it was a three-point game in Happy Valley we lost on the block field goal back in 2016 James Franklin has us he has his teams ready to play Ohio State now now I would also argue that I don't think we were I, I don't think we played a remotely good game in 2017 and 2018 against Penn State but the point is, I think Penn State could be an absolute, you know, slobber knocker, and I think Ohio State could come out of that uh, somewhat diminished for the Michigan game, which worries me. Um, the other thing is, if Michigan can 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 you know wake up to the fact that they actually have four pretty good wide receivers who are all going to be playing in the league and start to utilize those guys, they could actually be a pretty dangerous offense. But they're not there yet, and I'm not sure they'll get there. So I'm concerned about that Michigan game. The, the Wisconsin game, the thing about Wisconsin is, haven't we seen this movie before? I mean, didn't we just see it two years ago? They went 12-0 and in the regular season. They had statistically the number one defense in the country when we played them in the Big Ten title game. We played JT Barrett with one good leg in that game. I think we almost racked up 500 yards of total offense. Now, that game was way closer than it should have been because Barrett couldn't hit the goddamn broadside of a barn with a football for most of the game. <laughs> but I, I feel like we've seen this movie before from Wisconsin. And once they, once they you know, they, they haven't faced a good offense yet. I don't want to totally discredit it, but they're a one-trick pony on offense. Chad, you just made reference to that. And, and this kid, Jack Cohn, I mean, I just really feel like if you're, if you're going to beat Ohio State, you've got to be dynamic in the passing game. And this kid is just, he's not. He's not. He's a, he's a, he's a consummate Wisconsin game manager i'd be much more worried about that game if it was in if it was in madison but who knows i guess we'll see i i think there's a very good chance we see that team twice i i think we're going to see him again in the big 10 title game i took a total flyer on iowa coming out of the west i'm regretting that pick more and more every day i was way way off on that one i think um does um does minnesota they would have oh, to play Wisconsin, right? Are, are they for real? I mean, I just totally forgot about that. They're six and zero so far, and and their next two games are against uh, Rutgers and Maryland. They're going to be eight and zero going into November. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, where is that game going to be played? Is that just fool's gold? I tend to think. I mean, that's just a product of the schedule, right? I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, it seems so. Yeah. Well, I, I'm just interested. Is Minnesota walloped somebody yesterday? Um, Nebraska. Yeah. So it's, and aren't they undefeated? Yeah. So Wisconsin and Minnesota play on the last week of the regular season, November 30th, at Minnesota. Hmm. Interesting. 
Hmm. That could be ugly. And, and didn't Minnesota beat them last year? They beat Wisconsin last year. They did. Uh, I don't know. I guess I mean, are we right? I, maybe I shouldn't be so dismissive of Minnesota, but um, I, I, I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens. That's pretty interesting. That's an interesting little sidebar. No one's really paying any attention, but there's a very good chance that team is 8-0 going into November. Yeah, definitely. Any other, uh, any other uh, thoughts on remaining games on the schedule before we move on, guys? The only other thing I'd say, Zach, is that you know the other point to Michigan, which I hadn't given much thought to, and I, I don't disagree, that's a very tough game, always is, is I don't think Penn State's going to be that hard. I think the bigger dynamic for this team might be if they're actually 11-0 and going to play a Michigan team that's not playing for anything. Mm-hmm. We've been to that movie before. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, how Day handles that will be a big test. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, hey, you know, back to Paige, your concern before the season started, or question, I should say, which was that how is Ryan Day going to handle getting this team up for big games, which Urban Meyer was masterful at doing. Yeah. And uh, Was uh, was uh, John Cooper directing those uh, movies, Timmy, that you just referenced? <laughs> yes, he was. If not, he financed him. <laughs> yeah, He's yeah. the producer. Yeah. Well, okay. So, all right. Well, a lot of football left to be played, and we, we shall see how it all plays out. Okay, I got one, one other question related to the second half of the season, just kind of looking forward. Which Buckeye players, in, in, in your view, could win major individual awards? And this is just kind of for fun. I, I don't really give a shit about these, these individual awards because I think where these guys, how they play, when they're at Ohio State, what they do on the field, and then, of course, where they're drafted in the NFL says a lot more about the program than some of these individual awards, which can be kind of political. And But, um, Chad, let me kick it over to you. Wh- which Ohio State players do you think are in the running for major individual awards well i mean obviously you had to say chase young yeah um outland and Lombardi, you know, kuda, right? kuda yeah kuda has a chance i think in the thorpe possibly um you know i, I tell you what we really kind of really irks me a little bit is that the, the jk is not getting the, the credit that he deserves. I mean, the kids, he's got actually more yards than Taylor does, yeah. and he's not getting any kudos at all, really. He's second in the country. In rushing. Rushing. Really? Yeah, he's second in the country in yeah. rushing. Yeah. I know. Wow. That's what I'm saying, but he, you don't really hear any, you know, all you hear about is Taylor, but, you know, we'll see. Um, but I, you know, field, I guess, obviously he's up there. I mean, he's leading the nation and, you know, touchdown passes is right, if I'm not mistaken, and, or having a rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown in the game, you know, that hasn't been done in I don't know how many years. But yeah. So, you know, I mean, I, it's, it's pretty cool to see. There's a lot of studs, you know, on that team. So, Yeah. Okay, good. Matt, are we leaving anybody out for, for individual awards? What do you, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I don't know about those uh, awards. Maybe the uh, Coach Washington will get the Bruno Mars Award for best linebacking coach or whatever the fuck they call that. Award. <laughs> 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 uh, that's All right, Paige, what do you think? Uh, always fun to go behind Sloaner. Um, yeah, how about Fields, you know, making a serious run at the Heisman? I think that Day has purposely – you know, um, 
not unleashed him yet. And I think against, we're going to be in prime time just about every single game. And if we can run the table, how does that guy not become, you know, uh, at least on stage in New York for the Heisman? How does that not happen? That's a really good point. That's a really good point. It does feel as though they've been kind of saving him for the second half of the year. And should he play big in in the Wisconsin, Penn State, and Michigan games? Yeah, you could be right. I mean, that, he would definitely position himself with an undefeated season, twelve and zero season. You know, he'd put up numbers, right, for Ohio State to get there to twelve and zero. You'd have to send him to New York. Um, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to move things along here, Tim. I know you got to jump soon, so uh, I think, guys, you've covered pretty much all the players I would have mentioned uh, for for post uh, for you know individual awards. Let's look around the country. There were some intriguing matchups and some intriguing results around the country that I think we should talk about, starting with Georgia losing to South Carolina. I think that um, that result there, uh, I think that has to be something Ohio State fans are happy about, not only because of where, uh, where that puts them in the, in the polls and in the playoff rankings when they, when they come out, but also that means you got the two best teams in the division opposite Bama, and Auburn now with one loss, Florida and Georgia. And I think that helps, you know, that, that certainly helps Ohio State's playoff positioning. Um, does anybody want to comment? Uh, Chad, why don't I go to you? What were your comments, uh, what were your observations of what you saw in that, that Georgia game yesterday? That uh, they're not as good as advertised. Yeah. I was like, I think, you know, kudos to Will Muschamp, man. He's, he's been through a lot of shit, and it was good to see him. And then they even had their starting quarterback, you know, go out of the game because he was like, what, I think it was in uh, concussion protocol, if I'm not right. mistaken. So they had their backup quarterback in there playing. But, uh, you know, it was, I mean, obviously Georgia's got some ballers. I mean, you know, but I think that uh, – George is not as good as that as they, you know. I guess Kirby Dumb because <laughs> he's wishing he had Fields right now over Frost because he was not impressive yesterday whatsoever. Yeah. I think he had like three interceptions. He like, did something like that. Yeah, but uh, you know, Clemson when they played Big Florida State. I mean, Jesus, the ACC is just a, a train wreck. It's terrible. Miami actually finally won a game. Yeah, Maybe, how about like, that? Like who was it? Virginia? Yeah. <laughs> So, Tim, what did you see uh, out of the out of the Georgia game, and maybe some other the the national results that stood out to you? I didn't really see the game. I saw some of the highlights, but yeah, I agree with uh, Fromm had an off day. But even still, if you're the number three team in the country playing a, a, a team with a losing record, you're supposed to be able to overcome that. Yeah. So I think. Georgia might be a little bit overrated, and yeah, I, I agree with the sentiment that uh, I think Fields probably smirking watching that game. Um, <laughs> I w- did watch the Penn State Iowa game, and I just was not impressed with either team. I didn't think I thought I thought Iowa's defense kind of came to play, and I thought Penn State's defense looked okay, but I thought both of those offenses looked abominable. I mean, absolutely terrible, and so I, I don't. You know, it doesn't bode well for the Big Ten, and I'm just not really all that afraid of of, uh, of Penn State. I didn't see any of the Wisconsin score, but or of the game, but saw the score, and they certainly put a thumping on Michigan State. But I guess I I kind of look at that, and as we talked about, I think Michigan State might have been tenderized from last week a little bit, having I, to play Ohio State. Exactly. I, that was my uh, thought. Bowl. Exactly. 
both on the road. So, you know, uh, I, I think they were probably a little bit beaten up. Um, you know, didn't see any of the Oklahoma-Texas game, but, you know, looked like a shootout, typical Big 12 shootout with not a lot of defense. And got to love our boy Joey Burrow. Wow. Don't, don't count him out. Yeah, I mean, I think he had three incompletions. I think he was something like 21 of 24. So uh, back to your comments about... Not only that, but some of the passes that he was throwing were darts in traffic that hit the guy exactly on the numbers in the hands, and it had to, otherwise somebody was either going to pick it off or deflect it. Like, he's making big-time throws, that guy. Big-time, dude. NFL throws. Big-time. You know, it was interesting because you had Penn State, Iowa in prime time. It started at at 4.30 my time, 7.30 Eastern. Then at at 8 Eastern, you had the the Florida-LSU game. And I was flipping back and forth between the two. And I felt like I was watching. Uh, I felt like I was watching games that were in completely different leagues, because LSU Florida, I saw athletes everywhere. I thought I saw explosive plays everywhere. I saw m- more than beyond competent quarterback play. I mean, stellar quarterback play. That kid from Florida wasn't too bad either. I mean, you know, Burrow was awesome, but that that was their backup quarterback. I think he he threw for over three hundred yards. Then you flip over to the Penn State Iowa game, and it's 1981. And just to back you up, Tim, on what you had said, 294 yards of total offense for Penn State. That's that's all they needed uh, to to beat Iowa, 17 to 12. Iowa Iowa outgained Penn State, 356 to 294. A couple turnovers for Iowa seemed to be the difference in the game, but. To me, it seemed like, uh, I mean, we were looking at different eras of the college game when you're flipping back and forth between those two, those two games. And I agree with you. Penn State looked a lot less scary facing a competent defense and then going into the shoe facing Ohio State. I'm a lot less concerned about that game than I was, uh, you know, before yesterday. Paige, did you happen to see either of those games? And, and I'm curious to get your observations. So I didn't see any of the earlier games. I did, had the exact same uh, impression that you did watching the LSU-Florida game and the Iowa-Penn State game. You were watching uh, two games from different leagues, actually. But I get your point, right? <laughs> right. I mean, it was, it was just it was like watching Canton McKinley versus Maslin, and then you flip over and like, oh, that's a real college game there. Burrow was awesome. <laughs> um, you know, and so... I think LSU is going to give Bama everything they can handle. Is I, that, I wonder where that game is. So uh, let me look um, that up. I'll find out. Burrow, 21 of 24 passing for 293. That game is in Tuscaloosa. Uh, that is on uh, November the 9th. And what sucks for LSU is they're home against Auburn. Well, then they get a bye. Then they go to Alabama. That's in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Uh, and, and the other thing, it goes back to something Tim said earlier, you know, like JT was his pet, you know, it's like you're watching Joe Burrow. Just I mean, at one point he had like one incompletion. It was amazing. You're like, oh, God, this guy was on our team for four years and he barely sniffed the field. Now, I get it. He couldn't get past Haskins, although they said it was a super close race. But he's for real. LSU's for real. Their defense might be a little mm-hmm. suspect. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, then I think the whole thing is then you sort of compare this, you know, those teams to Ohio State where where's the weakness with Ohio State? 
Uh, we don't have one at this point. So I like where we're at, but uh, a lot of football left to be played. Mm. Matt, did you happen to see any of these, uh, any of these games? Uh, and what were your impressions? Well, the biggest impression I got is for two teams that were jawing all week about being DBU, there was a lot of passing <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I don't know how that argument got settled. Good I think, point, he, I think uh, the Buckeyes probably got the head of that. I like that. I think that even if you want to put a final game, a long-term prediction, LSU and Ohio State in the final game of the year. Wow. Mm. Okay. Juicy. How yeah, juicy. Juicy. Yeah. I, I came away watching the action yesterday thinking that, well, first of all, I think Ohio State was helped by the fact that Florida and Georgia, who will come out of the division, I think it's the East, right? The SEC East. They would come out of uh, the winner of that. That division will have at least one loss going into the SEC title game. And then you're going to have, you know, Bama, LSU, Auburn, they all have to play each other. So I we're not going to see two. I think it's very unlikely that we're going to see two legitimate playoff candidates coming out of the SEC this year. I think it's just going to be one team. So I thought that bodes pretty well for Ohio State. Um, and and of the top teams in the SEC, I don't think any of them is exceptional defensively. And somebody just made that reference, Matt. You you made that reference, Page. LSU, as good as they are on offense, they're not the typical lockdown defense that we've seen before. Uh, before this year I think they're they're not quite as talented not quite as dominant same can be said of Alabama too I don't think they're quite as good defensively so I think should we match up with an SEC opponent in the playoff anywhere along the line I think that bodes well for us Uh, the other impression I got just looking at the national landscape I don't think anyone's going to beat Oklahoma in the Big 12 I think Texas to me looked several notches below Oklahoma there were some early turnovers in that game I did actually watch quite a bit of the Red River uh, rivalry and uh, Texas had a stay of execution in that game because of two early turnovers in the red zone by Jalen Hurts. And to me, I, I know the final score was only a touchdown. Uh, Oklahoma wins 34-27. But to me, I never felt like Texas was going to get control of that game and win it. And looking at the rest of Oklahoma's schedule, there's nobody left on that schedule that's going to compete with them. They're probably going to see Texas again in the Big 12 title game on a neutral field. And I like Oklahoma in that game. I think Oklahoma's coming out of that uh, out of that conference. I really do. Um, so those are my kind of just overall impressions of of what I saw nationally. And then Tim, I would agree with you on Penn State and and uh, it, you, well, we we haven't mentioned our, our friends from up north, Paige, as, as you like to refer to them, Michigan, going up twenty eight nothing over Illinois, and then giving up twenty five unanswered. To turn that game into a nail biter, we just continue to be unimpressed by Michigan. Um, it's Ohio State's conference to lose. I really believe that, um, and I think I, I, stu- I do think they need to go undefeated. Um, I do. I, I you don't want to risk a loss, and I think they're looking at playing Wisconsin twice too uh, before it's all said and done. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. Any other comments on the national landscape, guys? None here. None? Okay. Hey, this is a great effort. I think we're well over an hour, guys. Um, Tim, I know you got to bounce. It's getting late on the East Coast. Unless there are any other comments, I think we should shut her down and we'll connect midweek. All right. Sounds good. Go Bucks. Like All right, fellas. Have a great night. Thanks for making the time and go Bucks.